White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 770. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. Live from the Grey Council's mothership, it's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, you are phoning in kind of over your phone tonight, so it's going to sound a little different because you're having internet issues, but by golly, the show must go on, and I'm glad you're here. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine. I got my Babcom working just just well, <laughs> so now... It be- just because I'm on the phone doesn't mean you can tell everybody I'm phoning it in, Van. Yes. That's definitely not the truth. I'm bringing it tonight just like I always bring it. That's right. That's good. That's true, and you sound fine. I'm, I have no complaints considering that you're basically having to do this over the phone. It's fantastic, uh, but we're right. not, not going to let anything stand in our way. So, awesome, because we are up now to the second filmed first aired TNT movie in the beginning 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 and um, I'm curious to see because you know I don't really look at our comments that much until we're on the air because I like to see them fresh and be able to react to them in, in the moment I'm curious to see what folks reaction was to our thoughts about third space because I surprised myself talking about third space i didn't enjoy it this time as much as i have in the past and you didn't either i don't think if you ever did i i enjoyed it less as well it was never one of my favorites but i don't remember actively disliking it as much as i did this this past time so yeah Yeah. it was it was uh, it kind of surprised me a little bit too yeah third space this time came across to me kind of like what they say a sugar high like there's a lot of flash there but there wasn't much substance right I mean, the now, the plot basically was a, they they find a big thing, it it opens up a door for alien monsters, and then they close it. That was pretty much the plot. Right, right, and they they couldn't do much more than that because of the the way it's situated between like yeah. a ten minute window in season in one episode of season five. So four, but yes, that's right. Season four, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of crazy. This is the polar opposite of that. This has got like years of material in it and it and it touches on the very base mythology of the entire show so it's quite different right and, exactly and and i found myself having a different reaction to this one this time too which Same. will yeah we're, we're gonna get into that and talk about it i think it's gonna be very interesting because i don't know how you reacted you don't know how i reacted but we both know we had an interesting reaction this time and i'm looking forward to talking about it um so, is there any news going on in the world of Babylon 5 before we get into this one? 
not that I can think of. I did see on the, the Babylon 5 Facebook page that somebody received their copies of the Babylon 4 entire series on Blu-ray. And they posted an image of it and everything. The prequel series to Babylon 5. Did you see that? I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> somebody posted a joke image on, on uh, the Babylon 5 page. And it was really cool. It was a picture of Babylon 4, and they called it the Babylon 4 uh, Complete Series DVD Collection. And it, oh, was, wow. it was a really cool picture. It was a nice mock-up of an actual DVD uh, box set cover. I thought that was kind of funny and kind of cool. It, would, oh, wow. it seemed like a, 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 a cool concept, so now, I, I thought I'd toss it out there. See, that that's funny, and I, I like it. What would probably be even funnier is if you sold somebody a box set of videos <laughs> of Babylon 3 and you like you turn it on and it explodes. <laughs> That's the entire thing. You turn it on and it just blows up and there you go. Enjoy and the credits roll. Or if you, you sell them a copy of the Babylon 4 series... And you send them just an empty box, and they're looking for like, well, what happened to the DVDs? Like, Somebody must have taken them. It got pulled through time. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 either forward in time or back in time. Zathras never clear about that. <laughs> sometimes station forward in time, sometimes is back. Oh, either way is no good for Zathras. <laughs> well. Um, I, I, I do want to get this out, out of the way up front, right, before we – because the other time we would talk about this is at the very end, and we probably will revisit it. But once we've got third space and now in the beginning out of the way, we, we, we chatted briefly um, off the air a couple of days ago about this that we figure we – River of Souls is later, right? It's not in between four and five. Correct. And then, of course, a call to arms – is the lead into Crusades, which is much later. So the upshot of all that is we really don't have <laughs> we don't have anything else we can use to delay season five, do we? No, and, and really, after watching this movie, um, that this in the beginning comes across very much as a pilot for season five. Yeah, of Babylon Five. It's the perfect entry point to season five. I think it's it's the the, the best time to jump into season five is right after this because it. It just primed me for, for season five. Except, and I don't want to bring you down too much. <laughs> right. but here, so here I am. I've never seen season five, let's say. Let's just say I've right. never seen season I watch in the beginning. I'm like, man, those two Vorlons in the chamber were really cool. I can't wait to see more of them in season five. <gasps> no. <laughs> well, well, uh, the lady with the short hair with the earring with her brother, the Russian, she was really cool. I can't wait to see more of her in season five. Uh, no. Yeah. Well, but, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's like there's some things that carry over. I mean, I, if your favorite part of In the Beginning was all the stuff with Londo on Centauri Prime and the fire and the explosions and stuff, right? you are in business. But, and, it, and if, you really, if you really, really liked uh, Moran, you are in business. <laughs> Not because you're ever going to see Moran again. And anything right. else would be a spoiler, but if you just thought Moran was the coolest Mimbar you've ever seen and you want to know more about whoever played him, you are in luck, my friend. <laughs> You're going to enjoy season five. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah. yeah. So if you loved seeing Captain Sheridan in, the la in both movies in military uniform, doing military stuff, yeah, you know, no, not really. 
Right. Not so much. Not so much. If you enjoyed a, an aggressive, grouchy Jakar, like in season one, which was cool. That was no, cool. No, not going to get that. So I don't mean to poo-poo anything. I just, it's just interesting how this is kind of what in the beginning did for me. And I'm not going to go completely into it right now, obviously, but I just want to say one of the things it did for me was make me realize just what we miss in season five. Yes. yes. I mean, Exactly. It does it does set up a lot of stuff we're going to enjoy, but it also kind of reminds us of what we're losing, which is too bad. Right. Yep. Oh, well. Well, I don't really have any news. I did like the Babylon 4 thing. That was funny. Uh, I don't really have any news either. I only saw, I've only seen JMS tweet like one thing lately, and it was had nothing to do with Babylon 5. He was just bickering right. with some he's guy. Been, he's been talking a lot about comics on, on his Twitter yeah. feed. Well, that's his thing right now. So I think he's kind of pivoted yeah. from the reboot to that. For now, and who could blame him? Right. That is that is one thing about about JMS that I have noticed over the years is he gets you know he gets understandably kind of emotional about getting done wrong for his TV shows and stuff for a few days, and then he just kind of sets it behind him and goes on to the next thing. And while the rest of us out here are like, no, dang it, we're gonna you know, and he's just he's on to the next thing. He's got enough stuff going on that he can just. You know, like when Crusade got canceled, I'm still not over it. And he doesn't even, I, you, we're at the point now, I could go up to JMS and say, dang it, I want Crusade. And he would be like, what is that? <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of. He, he, he's he's, he's got to pay the bills, man. He, he's got to yeah. move on to the next project. And, he does. And he can't, dwell, he can't dwell on the past because as a creative person myself, you only have so much energy to, to dedicate to, to things and yeah. you know if, if something ain't working out you you move on and you you create new stuff and it's true and yeah. kudos to him for doing that i mean it's frustrating for us fans because as not part of that creative process we are still clinging to what we didn't get whereas he is on to the next paycheck and on to the next the next you know creation that he's working on so yeah and he's very professional about it I mean, again, he, he he'll have his five minutes that he can be that he let himself be emotional, and everybody can understand that. Right. And then he and then he just pivots. He just kind of yep. goes on to the next thing, and that's that. So, yep. You know, bless his heart. I mean, if only we could all do that, honestly, because you know, there's things I still carry a grudge about many years <laughs> later, not not just in Babylon Five world. So, right. Um. Okay. Well, I just want to remind the folks out there. We do not have ads on this program, especially that kind that interrupt your show. I can't stand listening to a podcast, and we're talking like, and then Sheridan did, and it's like, and then Sheridan did. Uh, do you have do you have car insurance? Call one eight hundred. You know, and you're just like, ah, oh, oh, stop! I was listening to the middle of a sentence. You know, I can't stand that. So, I've been approached for, to 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 have ads on all my podcasts over the years, and I consistently say no, no, no. And we do it because we have patrons. So go to www.b5review.com and become a patron. Click on the link to become a patron, and we won't have to, we won't have to ever have ads on our programs. It's a very nice thing. We do have a spoiler section at the very end. You will know it because you'll hear the jump gate. Jump gate activated. And that'll mean that we are now talking about stuff that if you haven't seen the show beyond that episode, you would uh, that's where it would be located. So bail out if you don't want to be spoiled at that point. All right. So we're into In the Beginning, uh, the second TNT two-hour TV movie, the first one aired, designed to serve as a kind of introduction to the series for the new TNT viewers. We didn't really explain this last time, but let me just quickly say it's because... Um, 
Babylon 5, the first four years, aired on the P10, the Primetime Entertainment Network, which was kind of a conglomeration that, that's, that Warner and several other companies had kind of put together. They aired several different shows, almost like in syndication, uh, rather yeah. than over the networks. And it fell apart eventually. And so they had thought it was going to end after season four, and that was why everything that Andy and I have talked about, about they did Sleeping in Light as the end of season four, blah, blah, blah. Well, at the, at the, at the absolute 11th hour... The TNT network, part of TBS in Atlanta, stepped in and picked up season five. But they wanted to do a couple of new things. Uh, in, in addition to airing seasons one through four, like daily in the in like six o'clock or seven o'clock at night or something, um, yep. they wanted to do something new to kind of introduce TNT viewers. And so they produced Third Space. And in the beginning, as introductory movies for that audience, and they apparently both did really well in the ratings, exceeded yes. TNT's expectations. Yes. So that's what this is. This is sort of like, hey, we're on a new network, so here's what this is all about. Right. And I will say, Van, when TNT started airing those daily shows, yeah, I taped every single episode. Oh, me too. On my yes. VCR. Yes. I had a whole cabinet full. Of all 88 episodes up to that point, taped yep. and 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 I've re I did rewatch them a couple times just on those VHS tapes. Yes, I had not recorded it when it. Well, I mean, back up. I had recorded it when it first aired, but I was just doing it kind of the way people used to do soap operas, you know, where you'd record an yep. episode, watch it, and then record over it again the next week. I wasn't <laughs> saving them. Right. By by the time I realized, I wish I'd been saving them. It was far too late. So when it aired on TNT, yeah, I had the VHS tapes. Because back then, the only way to get the show was to buy the pre-recorded VHS tapes. Do you remember this? You got two, ep two episodes on a VHS tape for $40. <laughs> yes. Imagine that. Insane. And I bought like two, two, the first two, and then I'm like, okay, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think I had maybe one. I might have had, it was something good, though. Like, I went and got, you know, like, I had some good episodes. I didn't go, I didn't go buy the Mutai on VHS. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but maybe I did. Who knows? Uh, I'm curious. I'm curious if anybody out there actually bought the entire four seasons. Did they even end up releasing all four seasons? Up to I don't that know. Point? That's a good question. I wonder. I wonder if somebody even bought just the first full season. I mean, that would have been oh my goodness, four hundred dollars for one season. <laughs> Good <laughs> gosh. Well, um, no more than that. Well, yeah, no, you're right because there's two episodes. Yeah, you're right. There'd be like right. eleven eleven tapes times forty bucks. Yeah, so four hundred forty right. bucks. That's crazy. Um, I, and the only place I ever remember ever remember seeing them was when, this is when I lived in Atlanta. Would be at like the Suncoast Video Store. I, I ordered mine. It, it was like a time life thing almost, where you could order it. Oh. They they had commercials. Okay. On uh, yeah, I remember seeing commercials for it. And I ordered it uh, not online. I'm sorry. You ordered it from the 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 one eight hundred number. That's yeah. how I got mine. Okay. Yeah, they had a little row of them at Suncoast Video, and I kept oh, looking wow. at them every time I'd go in there because they had everything, you know. Right. And every time I'd go in there, I'd look at him and I'd be like, oh, I should get that. And I got, got one or two. And then I'm like, all right, yeah, like you said, I'm like, nah, I can't afford this. It's just so funny, too, because, you know, not that much later, really, uh, just a few years later, really, we were getting the entire seasons for like $40 each on, on Amazon or from deep right. discount DVD or whatever. So, right. 
and I've got them right over here. You know, so you got. <laughs> it's just amazing how the price goes. Well, Farscape was the same way. Um, when Farscape first came out, a box set of season one was over a hundred dollars. But my Louise. my girlfriend at the time, this was like ninety eight, ninety nine. My girlfriend at the time was a huge Farscape fan. We were watching it on on Sci Fi Channel. So I bought her like season one on DVD for a hundred dollars, and then just a couple of years later, you could get because um, I've got these back here. They they put each season on like five boxes each, and they were about. They were, I mean, they were not nearly that much. So I got the entire series. I have all of Farscape back here. Actually, yeah, they have the entire season on two discs each. So it was like, instead of $100 a season, it was like $30 a season or something like that. So, right. so I've got all of Farscape back here. Um, and hold, hold, hold on to that physical media because yeah. there, are, there have been instances recently of uh, digital media disappearing from certain streamers and stuff. Even if you paid for it, so uh, well, yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I mean, I've got my, I've got my DVDs, but I also have it digitally through Apple, which is how I watch all my stuff now. Right. But Me if too. Apple ever decides to, or if, if Warner's ever decides to yank the the license from Apple, mm-hmm. even though I paid for it, I wouldn't be able. I wouldn't have access to it. So yeah, I'm 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 sticking. You know, I'm keeping my DVDs for sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I have all of them back here, and I also have them ripped on my Plex server. Um, I'm pretty sure that I have some audible audio books that I've had for 10 years now that um, are no longer available. Like I have a bunch of James P. Hogan books and if you go search for them on audible, you don't find them anymore, but yet I I have them on my phone. And so I'm now terrified to delete the, the delete them from my phone because they may not be able to come back even though I paid for them. Oh, so you've downloaded them, you mean? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I, I've run across some of my books that I have listened to and then archived, which mm-hmm. means you take them off of your device and send them to your cloud archive with Audible yeah. that are no longer available. That I can't. I, I can see them in the library, but when I click on it, it's like, this this uh, this is no longer available or something like that. Yeah, I, I had these on my phone. In fact, the main reason I have a phone with a giant bunch of memory on my iPhone is for audio, Audible. Uh, my wife has it for pictures. I have it for Audible. That says a lot, um, I guess. <laughs> but um, when I, yeah, I had them all on there, and I just happened to notice they weren't available anymore. I'm like, oh, my God, I better not delete these. So they're still on my phone. They just have never wow. been deleted. So we'll see. It's just like a battle between me and Audible to see who will blink first, right? Will they restore <laughs> them or will I delete them? So we'll see. Well, anyway, so what do you want to do the summary for this one? Uh, sure, I can do this. Man, that's a complex summary. Mm. Well, it's one um, sentence on the on the on the Lurker's Guide, but I always enjoy see, your summaries much more than theirs. Let's see if I can't boil it down to a Lurker's version. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yes. Earth encounters a new alien species. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, in this episode, uh, it, it's basically a re- not a retelling, but it, it's well, yeah, it's a retelling of the history leading up to the the. the uh, pilot for Babylon 5. It is. It takes place 10 years before Babylon 5, and it is how Earth first contacts uh, the Minbari and what ensues from that and why. Yeah, no, that's that's it, yeah. The the Lurker's Guide said, it covers the Earth-Minbari war in more detail, including Delenn's involvement and the death of Dukat. But interesting, it doesn't say anything about Londo, and I thought Londo's story is at least as interesting as anybody else's in this by the end, right. by, the time, by the time you right. get to the end. Yep. We learned some things we didn't know, um, which I'm not sure 
completely register with me the first 15 times I saw this back in the day, but <laughs> this time I had a very different reaction to it, as we're going to see. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So neither movie so far has featured Garibaldi. How, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I thought... I mean, in the last movie, I thought that was a little disappointing. Well, it makes it made it, it makes sense in both of them because Garibaldi during this time frame was a drunk on Mars. Yeah, with Sinclair and, more than he was with anybody else. And for the last movie, I guess he was in that time frame also a drunk on Mars, only at a different date. <laughs> a different date. <laughs> That's a good point. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Um, you know, the other thing I thought could have benefited while we're talking about kind of the introduction here. I wish they could have had a, had more Michael O'Hare in this. I agree. It, it it is too bad. I think by this point he was he was beyond uh, an acting career. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it would have been really cool to to have him more involved with the the um, the beginning part of it. Yeah, yeah. Because Sinclair was so important to the early stuff, and it was almost like you you know what though. In a way, what in the beginning does is it kind of backfills Sheridan into the early days cuz right. we didn't you know we didn't get Sheridan until season 2 when things were all well underway and right. we really only learned a few things about his past you know things with Anna and you know him and the Agamemnon that's all we really get about him so i thought the one really useful thing well there's two there were two really useful things that came out of this movie for me one was it backfilled Sheridan into a season one character, basically, okay, or right. or, or even in the beginning, or even I mean even the gathering, right? And two, it gave us more information about Londo that we didn't realize. Some big right. revelations about Londo. I think those were the two because right. I think everything that we got with Delenn was very good and very dramatic, but we really knew yes. all of it. We'd already right. seen most of that, right? So I, I think from TNT's perspective. Uh, I I don't think they really were interested in having Michael O'Hare featured no. in this because he was a minor character from their perspective because he was only in season one yeah. and they were trying to promote season five which he wasn't a part of at all so I I, I think it was it was probably a choice on on the producer's part not to even focus on him much at all because the season five is all about Delenn and Sheridan so yeah as as was was very explicitly stated. At the very end, there when the little, when, you know, when the little Mimbari children were asking about mm. what about John and Delenn, so that remains to be seen. <laughs> so, isn't it interesting that the four TNT movies? Now that you, I didn't think of it until you said that, but you made me think of this: the four TNT movies, none of them really directly promote season five. This one kind of does more than most. But at the very beginning of this podcast, I just now said, you know, the things that it doesn't lead into. Right. So, I mean, think about it. So, Third Space has nothing to do with season five. It's really an extra season four episode or two-parter. Right. Um, A Call to Arms, obviously, is the, is the, is the pilot for Crusade uh, or, right. the, or the transition. Uh, a River of Souls is the most, I think, season five of all of them. It's also the weakest, right. which is probably not a coincidence entirely. But, right. but, but even it is, I think, if I remember correctly, more about Lockley than it is about Sheridan and Delenn. And as you just said, season five is about Sheridan and Delenn, and yet the River of Souls is about Lockley. Yeah. So this is kind of the most season five movie, and even it's not really. I'm just right. surprised TNT, because you said that TNT wanted this, that, and the other, and I agree with you. I'm just surprised TNT didn't go to JMS and say, 
Now, how about writing us an actual season five movie? Right. I, I, I agree. They could have used these TV movies to flesh out to, as, <coughs> excuse me, to flesh out <coughs> a lot of the stuff that season five didn't touch on. Yes. You know, the, the budget that went into these four movies could have gone into, they still could have been movies. They still could have been standalone stories, but they could have addressed certain things you know, that added to season five instead of, you know, the, the, the first one was, you know, it, it occurs during a commercial break in one episode of season four, you know, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they could have used, they could have used this, this idea, these movies, even if it's just the three movies and left the one for crusade for, you know, to introduce crusade, but the other three movies could have been, you know, used to, to flesh out season five or to tell side stories that fed into the season five arc a little bit better. I, I think it was a really big missed opportunity. And I'll tell you, I agree with you. And I think that for all that I like them in different ways, I do agree with you. And I think that the thing they really missed out on was that, and this, I mean, this fringe, this comes close to spoiler space. If you want to fast forward about 30 seconds, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you, but I'm going to say something here because I don't want to wait an hour and, and, and do it at the end and forget. But I felt like, JMS always said everything gets wrapped up by the end of season five. He always said that, and we know it doesn't. Right. And I felt like some of the stuff that, that Peter David put in, the, in his trilogy of books could have been done as a TNT movie, and we could have seen it before the end of season five. Absolutely. Like, after Objects at Rest, they could have done a TNT kind of finale movie that bridges the gap between Objects at Rest and Sleeping in Light. Right. E easily. Because there's no Easily. there's no crossover there, right? So that's what I, yeah. I always wish they could they would have done that, right? I mean, I, River of Souls. I mean, it's it's a fine story, but it really has it doesn't add anything to the Babylon Five mythos. And no. same with same with uh, Third Space. It, it it really doesn't add anything to the the mythology or to the story arc. And even if they had kept in the beginning and the the, the Crusade one, if they had just used those two to do what you said. To incorporate some some of you know the Peter David stuff into season five, I think it, it would have served the the franchise much better. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, this is all great stuff. I want to tell you who the guest stars were. There were a bunch, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of the more interesting ones. Robin Atkin Downs appears as Moran. He will be a recurring actor in season five, just in a different role. We'll leave it at that for right now. All right. Remember Byron, um, Robin <laughs> Sachs, who I have a beef against, as my daughter would say, uh, as Coplan. Uh, the the problem I have with Robin Sachs is he's appeared on a lot of shows, and the only one he really doesn't mention in his resume is Babylon Five, which I thought he was very good on Babylon Five. He was on a couple of too. episodes. Remember, he was like early in what he in early in season two is the kind of adversary guy before uh, before Shakiri and. Um, and Nerun? I believe so, yes. He was the one that came on board when, when Sheridan came on board. And he's like, if there is a danger here, Captain, it's because you have brought it with you. Something like that. He was that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Reiner's shown as Ducat. He was great. Loved Ducat. I wish, I, I wish we'd had more of Ducat. He was awesome. I, I, I agree 100%. I thought the actor did a fabulous job. The big, tall presence... He seemed like the guy that could command the entire Membari race and them do what he says, right? <laughs> right. And you know what? I thought just watching the one scene of him, one of the scenes, I forget which one it was, but I'm like, man, he would have made a great Sinclair. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I want to say that in the Dark Distorted Mirror, Ducat has a bunch going on. I do remember that in Dark... I've said this before, but I do remember in Dark Distorted Mirror, there's a Minbari character that dies early on in Babylon 5, and in it, he lives and is a very... Maybe Cineval. He's a very important guy, and at some point in the story, the author makes it very clear that it's Bruce Boxleitner in makeup. I just love that, that he's... <laughs> <laughs> you realize he's Bruce Boxleiter playing him, yeah, as a, as a Mimbari. Uh, Theodore fun. Bickle is back, this time as Lenon. I believe he was one of the hobbits in the Hobbit cartoon or, or the Return of the King cartoon. Pretty oh, wow. sure. Pretty sure he that was the voice. A, deep cut? That That is a deep cut, man. <laughs> All right, I think he was. Uh, Yezimin Baytok as the Centauri woman. I love that she's just billed as Centauri. There were a lot of characters in this movie that were billed as man- Centauri woman, man number yeah. two. There's <laughs> just a bunch of them. Um, I've got some more to. I've got some more to say about that. The the Centauri characters. Okay, um, the actress who played Lissa, Erica Mare, the cute little Centauri girl. She's so cute with her little hat and everything. She's yeah. 35 as of this recording, Andy. <laughs> I feel so old. She's uh, you know 35. What? Didn't you post? I think you posted something about that, didn't you? I did. That's where I yeah, yeah I, I found that. it. Researching this episode, I found that and I posted. I just like oh, I gotta, I gotta see the picture now. Because I, I was looking at her and I was thinking, oh, she's so cute. She's so cute. She reminds me of my little girl. And I'm like, well, gosh, my little girl's a lot older than that now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's a lot older than that now. And I looked her up and she was born in 1988. So oh my she was, God. she was about 10 in this movie, and now she's 35. Right, that's the year I graduated high school. Holy crap! Yeah, I was a I was a, a, a sophomore or junior in college. So um, a couple more. Uh, oh, oh, the other one is Trisha O'Neill played the president. Here's something interesting about Trisha O'Neill as the president of Earth. She was on several episodes of Murder She Wrote, which may be how she got on JMS's radar, right? Because right. that was his old show. She was on Star Trek Next Generation. She was on Deep Space Nine a few times. But get this. She was the mother on Believers. Holy crap. And it, you see really? it now, don't you? You see it. Yes. Yep. You can't. Now that you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Oh, wow. Yep. I kept looking at her going, how do I know her? I know her from somewhere. It was She's that. The, she was the mother. The murderous mother. Yeah. I kept thinking that she reminded me of the doctor on Stargate. I thought she reminded me of the doctor from season two of Star Trek. Hmm. Hmm. The next generation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's not that lady. I know who you're talking about. It's right. not her. But right. she. But I could see that she reminded me of the doctor from Stargate SG-1, I think it is. Maybe Atlantis? Maybe it's, No. No, it, on Atlantis, the doctor was the Scottish guy. Yeah. Paul McGann. Or, no, not Paul McGann, but whatever, anyway. Uh, that's Doctor Who. Anyway... That's our cast. Uh, you know, I mentioned before that they seem to be bringing in like one fairly big star and one middle star for each movie. I'm not sure they, they, they had that for this one. I can't think of any special guest star in this one. No. no yeah. Maybe Reiner Schoen is a big deal in Germany or something. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I, I can't think of anything. He, I mean, he was the voice of Darth Vader for the, the, the German translation of Star Wars. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, there was no Martin Sheen. There was no nope. uh, whatever. Although, we well, right. there's one, but we'll get to that in a minute. But just for a split second. Oh, here's everybody's favorite part of the show, Andy. Oh, Lord. 
Here we go. Everybody's favorite part of our show. Andy tries to guess the P5 rating of this episode. All right. All to, right. Re- to remind everybody how it works, back when these movies and episodes first aired, the Lurker's Guide polled the audience and got several hundred votes on a scale of 0 to 10 for that episode of that movie. And Andy tries to figure out what the uh, number is going to be for this uh, for this for this movie, and you right. have a formula because usually we end up guessing lower. Right. So you're well, going to kind of. Well, what I aim- do is, is uh, at first I, I take what I think our ratings are going to be because Vane and I don't discuss our ratings beforehand. Nope. Nope. I du- I double that because the the P five rating is one through ten, and then I add or subtract depending on how I think this was received the first time around. Yep. I'm, you know what? I'm betting that this was... I remember watching this the first time and, and thinking it was super cool. I really loved it. So I'm going to say... I'm going to give it an 8.7. I love is this that, so much. This is absolutely my favorite part of every episode that we do. <laughs> I love your rationale. I love how you work these things out. You logically rationalize them out. It's wonderful. So you say 8.7? I'm going to say 8.7. I might be a little high with that one. But I'm gonna say 0.7. I, you know what? I don't know. This this one made a splash when it first came out, so I might be a little low on this one for all I know. But I'm sticking with my 8.7. So, all right, folks. Andy says 8.7, but he might be a little low. It always amazes me how accurate you are with this. With the with the exception <laughs> of, I think you you weren't so accurate on third space, right? No, I was a full point off on third yeah. space. Usually, you're within just fractions, just decimal points. Um, okay. The P5 rating, you said 8.7, maybe a little higher. The P5 yeah. rating for the, the for into the beginning was 8.94. <laughs> oh, wow. Just a you know, little bit higher. I can see that. I can see that because this one, it was pretty exciting when this one debuted. I mean, this, yeah. this one was pretty darn cool. Now, all right, I have a question for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and ask it now because I'll forget. I'm, my brain is so fried these days at the end of the semester that I, I'll forget. So let me go ahead and ask you now. Here, right. is the, here is the eternal debate about this movie. If somebody's never seen Babylon 5 before, should they start with In the Beginning or should they start with The Gathering and save In the Beginning for the beginning of Season 5 like we did? You know, I, I can answer this one because when this first came out, I was, I was a newlywed to my first wife and I did start her on Babylon 5 with this one. Wow. I started her on this, and then we went right into because I had everything on tape at that point. Yes, <laughs> I started. I started her on this because we watched the premiere of this one together. I talked her into watching it with me, and then we from there we started on uh, um, in the beginning on tape. She didn't stick with it, but yeah, she watched. She watched most of the first season with me before she lost interest. But yeah, I started out like that, and and I, I'm not sure if that was the best idea, but at the time it seemed really cool because. The way this this show was promoted, it set everything up in the series. But it also, it also kind of you know, di- did a dive into you know the the continuity that if you hadn't watched the whole thing, you'd miss some parts. So was it the Mutai that, <laughs> that <laughs> caused her to bail out? I I may have skipped a couple episodes when we because we had that that yeah. you know luxury watching them yes. on, on VHS. I may have skipped over the Mutai. Yeah, that's probably smart. Um, there you go. All right. The production number TNT MOW movie of the week number two. Original air date January fourth, nineteen ninety eight. So it was the yeah. very beginning of the Earth year nineteen ninety eight that we saw this. 
And then we went right on into season five because I remember that season five ended in like November of 98. So 1998 was the year of season five of Babylon 5. Right. Written by JMS, directed by Mike Vehar. Yeah. Mount, Mount Rushmore. Novelization, which I do not have. I did get, oh, I got the third space novelization. It arrived yes. the other day. We're, we're going to need to have a special segment when you get done reading that, uh, uh, addressing the differences between the movie and the um, novel. I'm yeah, very curious, I'll, very curious on, on how he fleshed that story out into a full-length novel, especially it being Peter David. It's got to be good. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I flipped through a little bit of it, and I could tell that he was fleshing it out because he like there's a whole lot of description stuff at the beginning, yeah. and then, like... When Ivanova sits up in bed from the nightmare of the city, you know, and everything, and the alien yeah. city, um, there's like a whole conversation where half of the dialogue is in bold. So it's like the aliens talking to her. Ooh. So you get like all that. Yeah. Cool. See, this is the thing. Peter David was A, comfortable enough with JMS, and B, comfortable enough with Babylon 5. He had command of it, you know. He was he yeah. was almost JMS. That he didn't have any problem just making stuff up, and JMS was like, cool. Whereas these other right. writers would be like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> and because right. they weren't well, Peter David or JMS. And, right. And Peter David is just such a good writer that yes. he just pull stuff out of his butt and have it be good. Yes. I hope he's okay, man. He's had some really bad health problems lately. I, right. I don't think I saw him at Dragon Con this year. I think he was not there. He was sick or no. whatever. I think. Yeah. I think his wife may. I'm not sure, honestly. But he has had some issues, yeah. I always enjoy getting to see him. I've been on tons of panels with him, and I go and see him when he's in the dealer room and everything. And, and he's usually right down the row from me. And um, he's such a good guy. I always enjoy talking to him. Um, let's see. So the novelization, Peter David, for this one, too. All right, plot points. Um, I've got some factoids coming up, but let me hit the plot points and unanswered questions. And if you have any, throw them in. Plot points. The Centauri refused to provide Earth with weapons or support during the war, fearing the wrath of the Minbari. The Narn, however, were more than happy to sell modified Centauri weapons, and Jakar made the deal, noting that if the Minbari discovered the weapons, they'd identify them as Centauri and attack the Centauri anyway. Win-win. I think that's brilliant. Right. Wasn't it cool to see old scheming Jakar for a, for a change again? It was. It was. But you know what? He, he just didn't come across as sinister no. as he did in, in the first season. And I'm not sure if it was because we knew his story arc yeah. or if, if, if uh, Andreas just couldn't get back into that character. I don't that know. Manic. Yeah. Right. I know. He seemed way too reasonable and likable. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. There wasn't this. There was way more, let me help you, uh, Commander Sheridan, and not nearly enough. We'll make flutes out of their bones! You know? <laughs> right, right. Especially with that, that bit when, when he was going to run the peace mission and he yeah. was, you know, they were like fighting crime together and stuff like that. <laughs> it, was like, Come on <laughs> it was good to have them both in this, though, honestly. It right. Was, they, it was. They, it, I'm it glad they, was. I was glad they both had something to do. And Lord, right. Londo had tons to do, way more than I would have expected. It was interesting, and, though, because it tied back to him being the narrator, the voiceover of The Gathering. Yes, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Yeah. I didn't see that coming, but it, it it clicked. It made sense. It made yeah. It it made it make sense that it was him doing the voiceover for the gathering pilot rather than Sheridan or Sinclair or whoever else, you know. Right. 
I was there at the dawn of the third age of mankind. You know, I got I just got a little bit of shivers when he said that during during this this movie. Oh yes. Yes, a hundred percent. Oh the earthers. <laughs> I love him in this. I loved his 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 gravelly uh, emperor yeah. voice in this was so good. Yeah, and his Jeez. hair was so cute when he was ten years, you know, at the be- in, you know in the beginning when he was still just the ambassador to Earth. His yeah. hair was all well, it wasn't quite as crazy it was ten years later. <laughs> I liked how they de-aged and aged different characters in different ways in this with very limited budget and everything. That was pretty right. cool. Yeah, a lot a lot of a lot of hair well, dye. Well, and plus we got Delin as her Minbari form again, which we hadn't seen in several years. And that was really cool. I loved, I loved seeing the the young Delin. I thought that was that that's just a neat part of the story, and a neat part of her character. I thought that was really cool. You know who we didn't see in any of these, either one of these so far was Lanier or Veer. This is true. That's very true. They could have cut away to like a bar somewhere where the two of them were just hanging out talking, like, right. <laughs> like Veer would be like, "It's so sad." That we don't have anything to do in this story, and Lanier would be Lanier would be like, "This is true. We have nothing to do," <laughs> and they just cut away to somebody else. You know, I, I do have a little something to say about Veer here in a minute. Okay, all right. Um, Delenn's pro- just one other plot point. I deleted most of them, but I thought these two were interesting. Delenn's promise to watch Sinclair at the end, explains why the Membari insisted that Sinclair be the one to lead Babylon 5 instead of any of the many people ahead of him on the, on the promotion list, right? So that she right. would be, so he could be close to her and she could be close to him. That was cool because we, we kind of suspected that already. Like I said, we didn't really learn anything about Delenn's part of the story. We didn't already know, but we just kind of got to see it. Right. Um, you had some unanswered questions? I did. The, the first one had to do with the triluminary. Is that the mm. first time we got to see the triluminary that up close and in person? Because they, they zoomed in on it a couple times. So that you could and see they, it's like a broken microchip with wire around it? Yes. Yeah. Is that the first time we, we had seen that 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 uh, part of it? I don't know. I don't remember but it could that be. before. And it, and it intrigued me. I'm like, what the heck is that? It looked like somebody that something that was scavenged from something. It did. So I was really, really kind of fascinated by that. I wonder if that's been touched. And of course, that goes back to the, the origins of the triluminary, which we oh can't get God. into because it, it would oh. give us both headaches. Oh, my gosh. Um, Don't even. I. You know what's funny? I'm currently writing a novel. I'm 40,000 words into my current work-in-progress novel, and I have a piece of technology in it that does that loop, and I keep thinking of it. Honest to God, Andy, I keep thinking of it as the triluminary. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't intend for it to be that at all, but it just kind of worked out that way. And I'm like, my gosh, it's the triluminary. Right. Um, my next, my other question is, did Sheridan ever indicate, when, when Sheridan first showed up on Babylon 5 in the season two, episode one, did he indicate at all, or was there any indication at all that he knew Jakar and Franklin no. before? No, okay. and JMS addresses that. A couple of people ask him about that, and, and basically, and I'll just say it now, JMS basically says, it had been long enough, and they weren't together that long on this episode, this movie, that right. they would... Well, I mean, he also says something to the effect of the first time you see Franklin with Sheridan, they're already, like, in the scene, right? In other words, they don't walk into the scene together and go, oh, hi, you must be... You know, they're already in the scene, I think. Right. And so they could have already had that, hey, I remember you from back when or whatever, and we just don't see it. So, gotcha. you know, it's one of those things where I would rather them put characters together in this movie for fun 
than say we can't because of that. Right. And I, I liked how they did put Sheridan and, and Franklin together, how they tied that back into Franklin's uh, pre-existing canon you know, yes. issues from that period of time. I thought that yeah, was kind of cool. How, how that they, he wouldn't. They took yeah. that. Yeah, they took that tidbit and turned it into a way to get him together with Sheridan. I thought that was neat. That was. Uh, let's see. Unanswered questions. So the question is about the about the black star. Why didn't the humans do that more often? <laughs> right. And it's it's right. just one of those story things where. Um, and also, it was indicated that they had done it in the asteroid belt of Earth's solar system, whereas here it seemed like it was way off in another star system. Right. Yeah. Because if it were in the asteroid belt, in the because it was two years from the destruction of the Black Star to the Battle of the Line. Right. I don't think it would. I don't think it would have taken them two years to get from the asteroid belt to you know Earth. <laughs> well, and yeah, you're right. And did you notice that JMS had to keep coming up with excuses why the war kept going? Right. It felt like that war should have taken 10 minutes once the Mimbari got ticked off. Right, exactly. Well, they're doing this. Well, they're doing that. Well, they're wanting to do their, you know, well, they've not. They, he just kept coming up with reasons why. I, that's the one thing about Babylon 5 that kind of annoys me sometimes is that a lot of it was made up at the time and a lot is made up later, and that's fine. But you can't go back and change what's already been done, so you have to rationalize it. It's just like what we were just talking right. about Franklin and, and, and Sheridan, you know. And right. that's fine. I, I don't get mad. I understand. There's, what, what can you do? It's aired. You can't change it. But it's still right. kind of when you can see the seams, you know what I mean? When you see the tape and the, the scotch tape and the, cl- and, the, and the clips, you can, you're like, ah, okay, you know, I know you're, right. having, yeah, you're having to fudge you. this. Um, let's see. The meeting between Lenon and Sheridan and Franklin took place, and, and Jakar took place on an outpost world in the Epsilon system. It was it the same place where Babylon Five was eventually built. Oh. Kind of makes sense. What is a peace meeting place where their races were coming together? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they they could have because the the missiles from the machine, ah, yeah. the defense system would have shot them down. Well, in the novelization, it, I am told. I haven't read it. The meeting place was described as an abandoned Drazi colony. So I wonder ah. if the Drazi ever claimed Epsilon, or if it was just that was just Peter David going off on a different tangent, you know, probably. Right. Interesting. Let's see. A couple of others. Uh, how did Sheridan and Franklin get away from the Minbari cruiser? Remember, Delenn said, don't kill them, let them go. There's been enough killing. Right. But right. did the Minbari then, like, come out of hyperspace and go to all the trouble of dropping them off somewhere? I just find it hard to believe. They they could have still been on that planet and just sent them back down to that planet. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Yeah, I, um, I just thought of a I just thought of a question real quick. Yes, you know the guys that were setting the nukes on the asteroids. Yeah, he tells them to get back to the ship, and then like thirty seconds later, starts setting off nukes. <laughs> I don't think they would have had time to get back to the oh. ship. <laughs> it's just like in third space when he does it yeah. himself. Right, he sent them all to hell. Gi- that's his hey he's he's got to be him he's got to do what he does that's what sheridan does he nukes him first and asks questions later right he smiles and he nukes you i love that we've we've seen two babylon 5 movies so far and both of them sheridan nukes the hell out of somebody right i just love it but this was the origin of him nuking the hell out of people this was the first time not the last right he's nuked go ahead (laughs) He's nuked two of the three most powerful races in the galaxy. <laughs> I, watching this, I just I, I got vibes of the Phantom Menace. 
you know, yeah. just because it was it was bringing stuff that already and people that already existed, things that already happened, and bringing them back and then showing how that happened. Yeah, I mean, it it it, it just reminded me a lot of that. Only and having first, and having to retrofit it in when there's already, well, it's right. the old it's the old thing that Harlan Ellison used to describe as he'd write a story sitting in a cafe. And as he'd finish each page, he'd tape it to the glass wall so people could read it. And he would say, "Now I can't, I can't edit. I can't change anything. I have to keep right. going." You know, same thing. Right. You, you've taped yeah. it to the wall, JMS. You got to keep going. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he's nuked two of the three. He, Sheridan looks at the Vorlons. Don't make me mad. <laughs> You're next. <laughs> You're next, Vorlons. Um, no. Uh, let's see. Random factoids and notes. Did you have any random factoids and notes you want to get out there? I did. Let me see. The 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 children, the, the two... Um, yeah. Or, Luke, sorry, the two, uh, Lisa? Yes. The, the two uh, uh, Centauri children were the niece and nephew of Urza Jado. Ah, yes. Urza. From Knives. Yes. That, that nice. uh, Londo killed. The woman was the daughter of Lord Rifa. Who, Whoa! Yeah, who uh, Londo had killed. So they were there in his palace as part of his court because he killed their their wards or their parents. Uh, or they were the or their parents. The, yeah. yeah, they were the wards. Um, how did, does she know? Ahead. Does she know what he did to her dad? I don't know. I'm not sure if anybody outside of Jakar knows what what he did to her dad. I don't know. Wow. She goes on to marry Viracato and becomes empress at his side. That lady does? Yes. How do, how do you know this? That was all in the novelization. I didn't read it, but I read a review of the novel because of our discussion over the last one. I wanted to see how this one might have differed. And that was in the novelization, their backstories and where they went from there. Holy cow. She's the one that marries Veer after he settles down from his foursomes right. <laughs> with the with the ladies in the that we saw in uh uh sleeping in light right yeah right wow okay well that's cool i really liked her she was really sweet i love that she kind of pats londo on the shoulder and he kind of looks at her and and says like something to the effect of i would like to walk with you on the beach or something you right. know which was really right. sweet um another thing from that novelization uh, the uh, the captain that opened fire on the Minbari at the beginning. Yes. Jan- Jankowski. Jankowski. He was offered by Earth Force, by the Earth government, to the Minbari as a peace offering, and they rebuffed that. Whoa. So they, they tried to throw him... Under the bus. You know, on the, the, under yeah, the Star under Cruiser. The bus, right, and they didn't do <laughs> it. So Jankowski then commits suicide. Wow. In, while while in Earth Force custody. Wow. See, this yeah. is what Peter David does that makes a 200-page book out of a an hour and 20-minute right TV movie. Right. That's something. because in the in the movie Jankowski comes across as an arrogant, you know, incompetent jerk. Yes. But, you know, if if you if you read the novel, he comes across as in the end very remorseful. And he carried the guilt of that war on his shoulders to the he point should. where he couldn't even take it anymore. I, I and I and Sheridan basically told the the general or whatever whatever their ranks are. He told him this guy is an unstable force, you know. And the and, yeah. and Earth Force is like, oh, what could go wrong? 
And right, I'm like, right? oh what no. What could possibly go wrong uh, by sending this, this egomaniac loose cannon out, you know, on a first first contact mission with the most powerful race in the known galaxy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, didn't you see what we did to the Dilgar, man? We're invincible. We have the right, highest technology right. around. Right. That was crazy. And the, the only other the only other in effect I have is how was it that the Earth Force briefing hall came across as bigger and more grand than the council chambers? Oh, jeez. You mean where they had all that. That where they had all the extras? Yeah. Yeah, that when they were when they were announcing the the battle and all that stuff. I thought I thought that was that looked great, and that they had the echo effect going on. It it, it was convincing. I mean, why yeah. couldn't they do that with the council chambers? Oh God, our. We filed many objections and complaints, Andy, about the council chamber. I think it's falling yeah. on deaf ears at this point, but I agree with you. That was, yeah. They, well, I'd say this. They spent a lot of money on the. I think I, we're going to get to this in a minute, but I think they spent like $3 million on in the beginning. Yeah. It shows. They got they their did. money out of it. They did, for sure. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Very impressive. Even, even at the very end, they had just a, a cameo of Babylon 1 blowing up. I thought that was neat. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I was not expecting Babylon 1 to have a guest appearance on this, but why not? Everybody else did. Right? Why not? You know who I was sorry? I was like, where? where's um, where's our over-actor of the year award guy? Oh, yeah, Ari Benzane. They could have fit They could have fit him or the other guy, the, the, the dock worker strike oh, yeah, guy. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. They could have fit both of them or, in. I, Ari Benzane would have been perfect in this. Oh, yeah, he could have been, like, first officer on, on board the, the Prometheus. Well, with Sheridan, but yes. Or, or yeah, because we never... Yeah, yeah, that... Man, they could have done some interesting things with him, I think. I You would have needed, like, another 20 minutes or something, but it would have been cool, right. so... Because he was obviously a prominent member of Earth Force if he was on the, the shortlist for um, command of Babylon 5. yeah. And the Minbari passed him over. Man, they could have had him on the Prometheus. That would have tied perfectly in with his backstory. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think he was an interesting character. I was sorry that he never showed up with Sheridan because I thought he and Sheridan, you, you could imagine how Sheridan would have dealt with him. Yeah. I thought, you know, maybe he comes back, he's rehabilitated himself, he's worked his way back up from that incident, you know, with Sinclair. Um, they could have done something cool with him. Yeah. Or he could have gone to Minbar to try to get revenge on Sinclair and, and, and run into the Rangers. You know That would have been interesting, oh, too. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. Random factoids notes for me. This movie is always better than I remember. My, like I said, my main complaint is that we already know most of what happens in it. It just shows us the hows, but that's okay. And I would say this. In fact, when I've watched this in the past, I've generally been kind of impatient with it because I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know this, I know this, get on with it. Yes, I know this, I know all this, that's fine, get on with it. But, um, but I thought this time, it, it, so that in the past, let me put it this way, and this is what I really want to get your feedback on. In the past, when I've watched this, and I've watched it several times, I've always tended to look at it as almost like a clip episode, like a best of like an anthology episode rather than a single story because it jumps around the different characters in different times and places. But this time when I watched it more than any other time, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why this is, but this time when I watched it more than any other time I've watched it, I had this overwhelming sense of it actually being one story. And I think it may have something to do with paying more attention this time to Londo and the fact that Londo isn't so much just being 
the overall narrator, but he's also kind of like revealing stuff that we didn't know about him. Right. Like the whole thing where Londo explains how he's the reason the war kept going and nearly wiped out Earth. I, yes. For some reason, that never really registered with me before. I always just kind of dismissed that. And this time I kind of went, holy crap. Yeah. And then I and then when you bring that in together at the end with you realizing this entire story, the the framing story with the with the woman and the two kids and Londo has taken place during War Without End. Yep. When I realized all that even more this time than before, this seemed more like one story with some flashbacks as opposed to like a clip show. Do you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? That does make sense. And there was an ongoing plot. I mean, you had Sheridan you yeah. know, from the, the beginning when he turned down the, the, the XO seat to when he was on board his ship and they fought the Black Star to when he was sent to, you know, be the, the uh, emissary, you know, for the secret meeting and all that. So there was a little bit of a plot to it. And to what you were saying, you know, my, my biggest uh, criticism of, of the uh, third space was we already know that it has no effect we already know what happens and you could say that for this movie as well but i think that this movie added so much to the lore yeah like that part about londo and there were a few other things in there that they threw in there that was you know relevatory and added to the 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 story as a whole of babylon 5 so i thought this one handled that the fact that it's history it still handled the the whole process a lot better by by adding to the story you know you make me think about you, you just said it reminded you of Phantom Menace and I even more see what you mean now than even when you said it a minute ago because I would put it this way when you do a story like this you don't want to cross the line of Darth Vader built C-3PO right to me that's where you've crossed the line into just too many coincidences and it's just stupid right this doesn't do that this gets up pretty close I think if Sheridan had been on the Prometheus if he had yeah. agreed to go on that mission, that would have put him and Delenn on ships on opposite sides of that first clash, and that's that's Darth Vader building C three PO. Right. But the but the fact that he didn't go kind of saves that, even though he did get invited. Right. I think I think they got a little bit too close with Sheridan, Franklin, and Jakar on board the Midway yeah. ship. With yes. That, yes. That, that's that towed the line really close. Yes. And now we have a new we have a new meme, by the way. Darth Vader building C-3PO is our new jump the shark type meme for right. you've 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 been too cute with the backstory. Right. I agree. All right. I'm glad I'm glad I could contribute that to the lore here. A um, couple of other things. Let's see. Um, but yeah, I did I did like this better than I expected and better than I have in the past. I don't know why. I don't know why you and I both see these things differently now than we have in the past. I don't understand it, but there it is, and we'll talk about it more in a minute. Um, did you notice the window in Ducat's chambers was basically a giant triluminary? I did. I thought that was a cool, cool touch. Yes. Didn't understand it, but certainly liked right. it and appreciated it. Well, even the little bells that the the religious class religious class carry around look like a triluminary. They do, they do. Um, okay, so when when the when the when the Great Council when the ship is attacked is is attacked by Janikowski, the Oakland Raiders kicker, a Florida State <laughs> kicker, um, when they're attacked and they come up and tell Delenn. 
The council is voting on whether or not to go to war with the humans here. You're the decide. The council's deadlocked. You're the deciding vote. And I'm like, how is that math? I'm not great at math, uh, Andy, but if there's nine of them and Ducat's lying there on the floor unconscious or dead and Delin is standing there as the deciding vote, how is there a tie? Uh, Wouldn't it be four to three at most? Wasn't he, as the leader of the Great Council, he wasn't part of the nine, or was he? I think as as the, the head... Because he never wore the, the hood over, yeah, and he always I, walked around the periphery. He was never standing mm, in line. So mm, I don't think he was one of the three from each cast. I'm not sure about that. I'm going to have to look not, that up. I'm not either. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to look that up, and I'm going to need listener feedback on that. So Yeah, what, was Ducat a member of the Great Council or the leader of the Great Council? Yeah, that's a very good question. It, it just The math didn't add up to me, and I didn't understand. Uh, let's see. I, I, I enjoyed uh, Susan's earring story getting played out that she gave it to Ganya. Uh, Ganya was cool. Haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish we could have seen more of Ganya. We only really yeah. saw a little bit of him. Yep. I like that the Hyperion ships don't have a rotating section, so there's no gravity. So, so Sheridan's little iPad thing was floating around. That was cool. Yep, that was kind of neat. Uh, let's see. They, they all had the seatbelts on. Yes, they did have. That's right. They had to. Um, Ranger One Lenon told Sheridan to say, "I know what's in Ducat's secret place. It's Ilza, which is the future." And this was supposed to somehow prevent Sheridan and the others from being killed by Delin or the other Minbari. Um, well, when Sheridan whoops it out, they start beating him up, but he keeps saying it till he gets her attention, and it didn't seem like she was curious. Right? It seemed to me like the idea was that Lenon would say that Sher- tell Sheridan to say that, and then Sheridan would say it, and Delin would come over and be like, wait, where did you hear that? Well, Len- Lenon told me to say it because, you know, to, to, to get your attention, whatever. And instead, she just kind of goes, ah, there's been enough killing today, let him go. Right. It, it, it seemed very incongruous. That, 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 that scene didn't track for me. Right. That, that whole scene seemed a little forced to me. Yeah. You, you need Delin to let him go. How? If Lenon is dead, why would Delin let him go? And I mean, they're already saying they're going to exterminate the human race, so they're going to drop Sheridan and company off on some planet and then turn around and come back and kill them later? I don't understand. Just kill them now. What's the, what's the big deal? I don't understand it. Right. So none of that made sense to me. But there was very few things in this movie that, 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 that I had a real problem with. Right. Um, let's see. There, there's talk about Londo's four wives. We're not really sure who the fourth one was. We know the three from Soulmates. Um, apparently he had another one that was a dancer or something. It's not really clear. Yeah. Right. And, but that's probably why he liked Adira so much. She reminded him of that one, I think. Yep. Um, they left out all the stuff about the Soul Hunters. Yeah, so, they did. Right? Like, supposedly... When Ducat died, the Soul Hunters just descended in mass on that ship to get his to get his soul, right? Right. And the 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 Minbari had to build a wall of the dead to keep the to keep the Soul Hunters back. Right. Well, probably because we'll never see a Soul Hunter again, so they didn't want to focus. This movie. Well, we'll see oh, him. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. There it is. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh. According to the novel, and again, I didn't read it either, but according to the novelization, there was a thing called the Omega Incident where uh, 
Captain Jankowski attacked a Dilgar ship, leading to Earth's involvement in the Dilgar War. This dude just goes around getting us into wars, Andy. Right. They did mention that briefly in this episode. Dang, man. Don't send him into Vorlon space. We'll be screwed. Because <laughs> I remember Sheridan mentioning the that he was responsible for the, the Omega incident. And they never mentioned that it caused the Dilgar War, though. But they did mention that he was responsible for another first contact that went south. Yeah. Um, I liked that we got a brief glimpse of the gunner on the Prometheus giving the firing the shots. Right. And my question was, if people watched in the beginning first, did they think, wow, this show is so big, they got Michael York just for a five-second non-speaking <laughs> bit part. How awesome is this show? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, going back to the Jankowski thing that you just mentioned, and, yeah. and this just hit me, maybe they, maybe that, that general guy purposefully sent Jankowski on this, hoping to, to start a war. Mm. You know, kind of like the whole mm. FDR lined up the the battleships and battleship row at at, right. at uh, Pearl Harbor just yeah. to just to get involved in a war because they were awfully arrogant and they were awfully itchy to, to mix it up with the the Minbari. Well, like, yeah, you, we just be the Dilgar. We can handle the Minbari. You're right. They did come across that way. You know what that is? That's Kingdom of Heaven. That's the Templar Knights. Right. Going, yeah. we got to start a war with the Muslims, and the king is yep. like, "No, we don't." And he's like, <laughs> "Oh, God wills it. God wills it." I have that on my soundboard <laughs> here, but I'm not going to play it for you. Um, but, um, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think that that's a, a very legitimate, um, a very legitimate thing. In fact, I'm trying. I don't know what's wrong with my. Uh, wow, I don't know what's wrong with my uh, thing here. Your soundboard. Yeah. I sent in a, a crack ninja team to disable your soundboard before <laughs> today's episode. <laughs> now, here's what it sounded like when Captain Janikowski was sent to start a war with the Mimbari. God wins it! <laughs> there it is. There it is. And how, how will the Earth do if they start a war with the Mimbari? Someone knows. God knows. There you go. <laughs> um... Yeah, my football show co-host goes can't stand the soundboard either. Um, <laughs> so filming ended for this on June 30th, 1997. Man, that makes me feel ancient because I that's that's a long time ago. 1997, I remember. A long time ago. Yeah, that was graduate school. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else? Sometimes Sheridan's stat bar is dangling off of his uniform. Sometimes it's not when he's on the Mimbari ship. Uh, I didn't really notice that, but I read that. That's and uh, that's about it. Okay, JMS has a few comments from JMS that are worth a minute here of your time, I promise. Uh, he says they finished editing the, the third space and in the beginning. No notes from TNT. Everyone loves them and agrees that while third space is very cool, in the beginning is the best thing we've ever done. On every level, acting, writing, directing, sets, costumes, everything, this one's got Hugo written all over it. Uh, maybe even Ace, which I guess is a Cable Award. Um, I think he maybe overestimated a little bit there with Hugo. I don't think it was even nominated. Right. But um, I do like that he realized this is better than Third Space. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's not the I best thing they'd so. ever done. It's not the best thing they'd ever done. No. no. I think a lot of that was hyperbole of, of you know advanced promotion of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it... There are, there are other, uh, you know, episodes 
you know, Several. The sprinkled throughout the season that are that are better in this. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But it was very good. I mean, from a um, production value standpoint, I can see, but the the yeah. So an average episode was under nine hundred thousand dollars of Babylon Five. This was three million. That's wow. So well, good on twice, t- twice the length, yeah. And good on TNT for tripling the money, right? Or more than tripling, and it's yeah. all up there on the screen. It is. Uh, let's see. It aired in January on a Sunday in a four-hour block. The other half of which is the the re- redone, the Gathering pilot. Yep. Six or seven p.m. That was good. Uh, let's see. It was ninety-four minutes and ten seconds in the original script. We got the ratings, and I can't release them yet. The time uh, that has to come from TNT. But suffice to say, they're dancing in the aisles over at TNT. Um, they had a very specific rating in mind they felt was the best we could probably get for this, which we beat handily. And they felt that the Gathering pilot, being a rerun, wouldn't do that well, and it ended up doing as well as the maximum they'd hoped the prequel would get. They're stunned. That's we, awesome. I remember reading that on an AOL chat group. Yeah. Ratings report. Yeah, wow. That's, that's, that's how old that is. <laughs> yeah. He says, it turns out we virtually tripled our regular audience and built each quarter hour rather than losing audience. So people that came stayed and new people came in. Um, Let's see. It was not a linear story, but it predates B5. Um, Oh, this was interesting. Um, JMS once said of this, you may not find out who built the great machine in the series, but that will be one of the features of one of the TNT movies. I don't think it was. No. And there will be more on the Valen Sinclair transformation as well. I don't think that was either. No. Um, let's see. That's too bad because both those stories would have been really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wish they could have done a couple more. Will in the beginning spoil some of season one's mysteries? And he says, well, that's an interesting question. When I sat down to write in the beginning, my feeling was that I should look at the long term. Would the hole in Sinclair's mind be the same mystery it it was in season one or or would it be kind of known thereafter if so then do you want to play with the mystery or set up what actually happened i figured okay let's go for the latter let's let the audience know which mostly will know by now anyway that's a fair point and set up the background with the characters not knowing the first season i took basic greek tragedy as my model with in the beginning functioning more or less as a greek chorus that sets things up if you want to play it as a strict mystery, then no, probably don't go near in the beginning. But frankly, if I were going to start someone off watching Babylon 5, I'd definitely want to start with in the beginning, which sort of skims in and out of the overall storyline in a beautiful fashion. If he does so say, say so himself, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I know you probably couldn't have made a movie about the Earth Minbari War. So somebody else asked him this. I know you probably couldn't have made a movie about the Earthman Bari War without giving away the ending, but I was kind of hoping the details would be left more vague than they were for the benefit of new viewers. And JMS says, I came to that part of my decision-making process and realized that in two, five, or ten years, the secret ain't going to be secret anymore, so why not play into that and make the audience aware up front, which adds a different kind of tension, like seeing the bomb under the table when the characters sit down for dinner and don't know it's there. I think that's right. valid. I think he makes a good point there. Most everybody that watched in the beginning, most people knew, you know, had seen season one. I think probably most right. of them. So, and I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of like it's kind of like watching the the remade The Gathering, where they call Sheridan Intelza Valen. Right. 
you know, there's some things that are given away, and you might think, well, maybe you should just start with with episode one of season one and just avoid the movies until later. I don't know, but I get it. Uh, let's see. There's a few things about Franklin we've already talked about. Um, it's 35 years from the time in which Londo is speaking, and Anna and Sheridan weren't married during the war. They were married after. Okay, that was just in reference to some question. Um, let's see. Um, I'm trying to see. You're prepared. Yeah, well, there's just so much. (laughs) I I try to put in as much as possible, and I figured I would decide what to leave out. I got Uh, you. I'm I'm just giving you a hard time. Somebody asked something to the effect of were Kosh and Olkesh friends, which I thought was a fun question. JMS says, no, I wouldn't call them friends. They had a certain respect for one another. But Olkesh always thought Kosh was soft, and Kosh was always worried that Olkesh was dangerous. In their own ways, both were right. It wasn't so much a case of Olkesh turning against the effort, but finally hitting the end of his patience with the humans and his predecessor, that would be Kosh, decision to let the natives get out of control. And the weird thing is, though I kind of know how it functions, oh, he says, it's, uh, how, what were Kosh and Olkesh in their rankings in the power structure? And, and JMS says, uh, it's not a hierarchy as you or I would understand it. And the weird thing is, though I kind of know how it functions, I'll be damned if I can figure out how to explain it in words. <laughs> That's the Vorlons for you, right? Right. And then later he says, Kosh and Olkesh were contemporaries. The Olkesh was the more military of the two, very isolationist. Kosh was the curious one interested in the younger races and more willing to extend himself with sometimes unfortunate results. Kosh always worried what Olkesh would do without Kosh's moderating presence. And ultimately, he had to be the one to take Olkesh down to allow the younger races to step forward. And I made a note here to myself that in some ways, Olkesh was one of the top villains of the series when you look at it this way, because we had to sacrifice Kosh to get rid of Olkesh. Yeah. Wow. I, I never really thought of him that way. I, he was kind of like the momentary problem at the end of season four, or early, yeah, beginning of season four. But, I, but if, if you think about Olkesh being like representative of the Vorlon attitude that they had to fight against the whole series up until you know, into the fire. Right. He, he kind of was up there with, with Morden and the shadows and everybody as a main villain. Right. Well, with introducing him earlier on in this movie as being a partner of Kosh at the very beginning, yeah. that does set him up to be that, 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 you know, long-term villain or let's call him an antagonist, not necessarily That's... villain, but you make an interesting point there that when you have Ka- when you have Olkesh appear in the if 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 the first Babylon thing if the first Babylon five thing you watch is in the beginning, then yeah. you have Olkesh on your radar from day one. Unlike right. you and I, who didn't even meet him until like what the end of season three. Yeah, I think Walkabout was where he appeared first. Yep, that's kind of cool. I like that. I do too. That's interesting. Uh, let's see. Do 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 do. Uh, I think that's pretty much all of the... uh, Oh, about the novelization, JMS says, Peter did a fine job with the book. He added a few bits here and there for which he should get the credit and overall did a very good job of it. Which I haven't even read it, but it seems like I agree with that. You know know what would have been really, really cool? What's that? That one scene when Sheridan was setting off the nukes and he was looking at each of the officers that remained alive on the bridge and they all gave up like a nod of of agreement to do what he was doing. If he had looked at one of them and said, 
Atumbe, what do you think? Mm -hmm. I was drinking when you said that. <laughs> I almost destroyed my computer, Andy. Thank you so much. I was not expecting the redoubtable return of Major Atumbe in this episode. Dude, I look for a way to insert him into almost every episode oh, that we do. I, I don't always get him in there, but I do no. like tossing him in there because he's my favorite non-existent character. I mean, he would have been awesome. so good. Yeah, and you know what? I found another actor that would have been good for him. I'm, Who's that? I'm currently re-watching season one of Jack Reacher from Amazon. Yes. The actor that plays the police chief guy. Yes. Yes. He would have been because he's very intellectual and very... Yeah, Very but still kind of tough. Well, here's the thing. The character he's playing, they have him dressed in tweed with the little glasses and everything, right. but he doesn't have to be like that. He can just be in a military no. uniform. Well, even that character, even though he was wearing glasses and, and tweed, he was still kind of a, 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 a badass, if you pardon my saying that. I yes. Mean, he, yeah, yeah he, was, he was a tough guy, too. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's perfect. That, that's he a would. great casting. Yeah. And he's the right age now, or what you know, to to if they right. if they did it again, yeah. Oh, that's cool. right. All right, let's get into the categories, uh, so we can move along here and, and wrap this sucker up in in a timely fashion. The high point. Right. I had a really hard time with the categories this time. I did too, man. I I mean, I'm all over the place here. We'll see. Right. This is going to be one of those where I let you go first, and then I say, "Yes, Andy, you're right." <laughs> all right. Well, what I try to do is I try to pick things that we haven't seen before because oh. there was so much that that was referenced before or, or we had actually seen play out before that would have been perfect for all of these categories but i didn't want to do that because we we'd already used those scenes when they appeared in the series so i went with i tried to go with something that was just revealed in this this movie that's very so smart for, very smart for the high point uh it was it was a kind of a combination and it all kind of happened right in a row it was Right when the black, it was cool to see the black star destroyed. I mean, we heard them talk about it, but we never saw it play out. Yeah. So it was cool to see that. But then afterwards, when Londo was talking about how the humans, with their stubborn courage and nobility, mm -hmm. fought back, you know, just that montage scene mm -hmm. of the humans sacrificing themselves to, to destroy. Because they showed a couple more, you know, Minbari cruisers being destroyed, whether it be through kamikaze acts or whatever. And he said, you know, first they ran out of ships they used their guns and then when they ran out of guns they used their knives and each each time they he said that you know they showed how the humans were still fighting back even though they were losing i thought that was really cool it was powerful yeah 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 i agree with jms that the whole thing had the kind of the air of a greek and of inevitable greek tragedy and i kept thinking right. so londo is the chorus in this yeah so who is the hero and who is the catalyst and i'm not really sure i mean i mean i because the hero know, right? is the the hero is the person that changes, and right. the catalyst is the person that causes the change. Right. So, who? Ch I mean, is it Delin is the hero that changes, and is the catalyst? I don't know. I'm, I think I'm, Sheridan. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't it's know hard. if you could cast. I don't know if you could cast this that yeah. closely as, as a Greek tragedy, but it's, that, that would take that would take further analysis. It's too scattershot to really be able to narrow right. it down like that. I think. Right. Well, I mean, who was the hero in this, and who was the villain? I'm not really sure, other than Janikowski. Right. right. He was just stupid. <laughs> I think. Well, the the villains would have been the the um, I guess Earth Force senior. No, they're always know, the villains. Yeah. They're always the villains. Right. The shadows are like, we need to go to Earth to study some real villainy. 
<laughs> from those bureaucrats in Earth Dome. <laughs> you are much more villainous than us. We are taking notes. <laughs> I love the shadow voice. I just love the yeah. shadow voice so much. All right, what was your low point? And there's quite a few options here. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad way. Not a bad way. Right. For for me, it was especially at the very beginning. Again, with Jankowski, the human arrogance. Just yeah, they're they're just that so much could have been avoided if they had just listened to Londo, you know. But they were so arrogant and they were so you know up in their arms and and ready to to show how tough they were that it was what it was. It was hubris, and that's again going back to the Greek tragedy. Hubris, you know, bit them right in the butt. Well, as Zathras would say. Lando warned, but no one listened to Lando. Right. No one listened to Lando. Very bad. So that was that was the hardest part to, to watch, knowing what was coming. I mean, yeah. knowing that their hubris would cost millions of, of, of lives. As always, your logic is impeccable. But <laughs> I noted that Lando causing the war to not end and go on and get worse, and we had no idea about it, was the low point for me. That that made one of my other categories. Okay, yeah, I was like, holy crap. Okay, um, most Babylon Five scene. God, again, that, the whole thing is the whole the whole two hours. <laughs> God, I know. I wanted. I had it narrowed down to two of them. I wanted okay. to say the Battle of the Line. Yeah, that's what I put. Battle of the Line is what but, I put. But we have seen that before. All I mean, right, literally, almost, almost, you know, the exact scene. So I settled on. Lando messes everything up again for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, yes. you know, it was, it was like Lando messing up by bringing in the shadows. You know, he messed up by ordering, you know, the attack on, on the, the Narn ship. Again, Lando's hatred of the Narn messes, messes everything up. up for the whole messes, galaxy. Messes everybody up. It does. Yeah. I thought that was, that was a, a very B5 moment. I want to see if you can guess. One of my two favorite character moments. What character on this series do we go to when we absolutely need a character moment? Who is our yes? Ivanova yeah. and Ganya was was one of my character moments. I knew you'd know. I knew you that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also had Delin and Ducat early on when she's basically Lanier. Yes, yes, and again. I wanted to pick that one, but because we had seen so much of that before. That's true. And yeah, I, I went with uh, Ivanova and her brother because that. I mean, not only was that Ivanova's only scene and only contribution to this movie, right. but it was a cool. It was a cool scene. It was very touching. I, I really liked it. And it filled in something that we only kind of knew about. We didn't had never really gotten the details on. You know how he exactly. was and what they and her earring and everything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I thought that was neat. Good luck. What was your funniest moment? Uh, I, in my notes, I have funniest moment, and then I have um dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I there there wasn't anything. I, I I failed to see anything funny in this episode. I I, I don't think he wrote any one liner because no. Ivanova wasn't a big part of it. Garibaldi wasn't a big part. That's of it. So it. That's like eighty percent of the humor of the entire series. Well, and Londo was serious. And La, yeah, Londo was yeah, Londo was serious. So. I didn't. I didn't note any jokes in this at all. Well, I thought of the one time I laughed, and that was when Jakar revealed that his plan was a win-win to make this this entire look bad. That's a good one. I yeah. thought that's pretty funny. That wasn't written as a as a joke scene, but right. it was so in character with him back in the day that I'm just like, ah, oh, that's good. <laughs> right. Good old Jakar screwing over this entire again. You gotta love it. Gotta applaud. Yeah. 
All right, here we go. Who won and, this? And I, I will, oh, yes. I will note a, a kind of funny was when Sheridan was first trying to figure out how to, you know, to nuke the um, the Black the, Star. Uh, the the Black Star. He got that little glint in his eye. I thought that was kind of like, oh yeah, there, <laughs> there's, there's Nukem Johnny. Nukem Johnny, the Drolophy. Did you the catch what? that? That's the Black Star in Mimbari. It's the Drolophy. Oh yeah, they did say that, didn't they? She said the Drolophy, the Black Star. Yeah. Right, like, yeah, oh, that's a, yeah. that's a cool name. I like that a lot. Yeah. Jolly. Um, I like that Jakar turns out to be multilingual. He speaks all kind of languages. He speaks Mimbari. Yeah. He speaks hum- Earth, whatever English, whatever we're speaking. And he speaks uh, presumably Narn. So uh, I bet he speaks Centauri. Although he doesn't oh, like sure. to yeah. sully his mouth with it probably too much, but he right. probably can. You know he'd have to be to be able to be able to functionary in the war with them. Right, Absolutely. I bet he, sp- he probably speaks some speaks some nar- uh, some uh, some Vorlon. <laughs> I'm sure he speaks Pachmara. It, it's uh, <laughs> Jakar speaking Vorlon sounds like this. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mulari. <laughs> All right, there you go. I got I got to drink something now. That hurt my throat. <laughs> my voice is sometimes hurt my own voice. All right, this is a hard one, Andy. I thought who won this episode? Good lord, I struggled with both of these because yep. even though I mean, obviously, I, I don't know how I, I don't know how to pick it because without what without knowing the entire series that comes afterwards, you would say that you know the Minbari won because they kicked their yeah. butt. But then knowing what comes later, I, I guess everybody wins. Yeah, I mean, well, I said Londo wins, and the I, hu- the human race, though not a whole lot of humans, but the human race. Right. right. <clears throat> I have Londo as my loser. Wow. Yeah. Explain. He was a bitter. He was a bitter, bitter old man, especially there at the very end. Yeah. He was. He was not. A, even though I'm. Mean, yeah. He was. He was not in a good place. Throughout the, I mean, even you could tell when he was telling the story that he knew that he was he was being controlled, and he knew that his life was coming to an end, and he was he just seemed like somebody who was you know writing a suicide note type. Of yeah, thing. So, and he's ordering the liquor, ordering more liquor. Right, exactly. So and then with that that very bittersweet when he was talking to the the images of Delenn and Sheridan, calls them as old friends, you know, knowing mm. what comes after that. Man, when we get into season five and we start talking about the timeline for all this, right? Oh my gosh, the headaches are coming. The headaches yeah. are a coming. Um, so, and this is not a spoiler. This is referring back to War Without End, I believe. So, right, right. after the right after the last Londo scene in this movie is where Sheridan and Delenn escape, right? right? And then, right at, like five minutes later, is when Jakar comes in and kills him, right? Right. So this is like his last day on Earth, or on, on Centauri Prime. Right. That's why it was the whole thing was bittersweet with him, mm-hmm. you know, with the children laughing in his room and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Dear lady. Um, for my loss, the episode, the warrior cast, because they're a bunch of idiots. They fit in really well with the Earth warrior people. Yeah. Who are all a bunch of idiots, both sides. Uh, and all the humans who died before the Mimbari surrendered. Yeah, which was a lot. A lot. Yeah. All right. Andy, 
your rating on a scale of 0 to 5. We don't do the P5. Isn't it ironic that the P5 rating goes to 10 and that our rating only goes to 5? It's so confusing. Right. But there right. we are. I like our rating. I like our rating better. It's fine. Uh, I, you know what? I gave it a, I was waffling between a 3.5 and a 4. I, I took a couple points away for some of the, the Darth Vader creates C3PO. Yeah, you know, there things. it is. There it so is. So I, I, yeah. I, know why I had to, I had to incorporate that now, man. So I ended up <laughs> going with 3.5. You know, I kind of went back and forth too, and I ended up on four just because I liked it better this time than I have in the past. And I liked it better than third space. Every if you had asked me between 1998 and last week, if you'd asked me which movie I liked better of the two, I would have said Third Space. Really? And this is the first time I would say in the beginning. Yeah, I enjoyed it. This is what I was alluding to at the beginning. I I enjoyed it a lot more this time than I ever have before, and I saw it as more of a unified single story this time than I right. ever have before. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a great deal, and I I had forgotten about the the insertion of. Um, Sheridan into the backstory, you know, about him going to the planet for the the rendezvous with the Minbar. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That's the only thing that kind of stuck in my craw. Otherwise, it would have been a solid four. Um, I'm just noting what we're going to do next. So, all right, we're uh, going to thank the patrons and look at patron comments, and if we have any spoiler space here in just a second. But I do want to note our next installment will cover 501, no compromises. Andy, no more compromises. We're starting season five. Right. We've, we've put it off as long as we possibly could. <laughs> but. You know what? I'm actually, I'm excited. I, I I'm too. looking forward to this. No, I am too. I am too. We, we, we joke. We kid because we love Battle yeah. and Five. But we, I am too. But I'll say this. Sometime during the, the Christmas season here when I'm off and not having to work all the time and do all this stuff at the middle of the night and whatever, um, is it time to get another Stargate Universe in? We could probably do that. Before we forget the first three <laughs> completely? Right, right. I figure we probably need to keep the momentum going a little bit. Yeah. So coming up next coming up next is 501 No Compromises, but sometime over the next few weeks we'll get in another Stargate Universe for you guys too. And we'll, we'll sneak that. I, I think we should sneak that in in between our two regular Babylon 5 episodes. You That's mean kind like, of like a bonus. Between like... Yeah, yeah. So like a, a, an extra yeah. week, extra week show. Right, right. Yeah, it so won't take the it won't take the place of five oh two or five oh three or anything. It'll just be right. in between. I agree. I, I think we could do that. I, I got some time coming off too, so we can talk about that. Um, oh, I thought I had a spoiler section note, and it was about third space. Dang it. Ah. <laughs> um. Uh. Let me see. All right. So we got to thank the patrons, and I had the patrons standing by here to thank. And then I'm going to see if there's any comments, and that'll be the show. We have to thank Allison Rich, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben, Massive Geek Cred Rose. I'm sorry, my voice is so scratchy. It's been bad all week. I've been having this is my last teaching week of this of the year of the semester, and it's really taking its toll. Debbie, no spoilers. Norris, Dragon Con, Delenn, Emma Jane, Van, and Andy are wrong about third space. Alexander, oh, 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 oh look at shots fired. Shots fired from Emma Jane. I guess she likes it better than we do. Maybe there'll be a comment. We'll find out. I love that. I love the way they put the, put yeah. it right there in the name, though. That's so good. Right. Uh, Emmanuel Seaman, grumpy old SGU fan. Love it. Jalja, Mondo6, Michael O'Connor, middle-aged geek Tim, Pete, Andy might have a fan club, but we still buy all of Van's books. Furman, well, bless your heart. <laughs> Pete, I'm working feverishly on the new one. 
Steve Palmer, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez and Una Luna Azul, Drazi Green, Heather and Yancey Steingrabber, Ice Cream Clone with Boba Fett Head, and Stark Killer. I love that, Stark Killer. It's a picture of uh, Sheridan. Um, let me see what we have in the way of uh, comments. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find them. It's being slow. Um, okay. Here we go. So, uh, it's, it's being slow to show them. All right, here we go. Michael O'Connor. Um, I'm not sure always if we've seen some of these. Gents, thanks for introducing me to SGU. I'd like to hear more, but if you sacrifice one second to B5 time for it, the folks on here may complain so much that comes the Inquisitor would seem pleasant. I don't know if I've read that one before or not, but it's a good reminder. It's exactly it what you just reminder. said. It's a we good reminder. Um, we have seen this before, yeah, because there's where Jalza told us about Wade being Edgar's lackey. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad I read that one again because that was uh, that's valuable. Uh, all right, let's see. And then comments on Third Space. Um, Jalja says, I haven't watched the movies nearly as often as I've watched the series. I actually don't remember some of the events in the movies, which is kind of refreshing. That's fair. Um, Stark Iller says Babylon 5 meets Event Horizon question mark interesting premise that doesn't quite stick the landing the novelization certainly piques my interest as you've mentioned Ben Massive Geek Cred Rose says unlike War Without End I agree with Andy's third space rating <laughs> you never going to live it down we should change the name to third rate oh hey ho Whoa. hey ho because it's just awful it says a lot that the most memorable scene was added at the last minute. I did, note, I did note that. Doesn't impact the story and exists only to pad the runtime. It has plot holes bigger than the artifact itself. The chronological <laughs> setting eliminates all the stakes, and it's missing three of the best characters, Garibaldi, Londo, and Jakar. You guys yep. said this would have been a good first season episode, and you're right, because it's the TKO of the Babylon 5 movies. Oh, snap. <laughs> shots. He's firing more shots than Captain Jankowski at the Membari. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> what is that, the third space? Gunport's open. Fire. Wow. All right. Allison says the TKO of the movies is most certainly River of Souls, not Third Space. All right. Allison fires back. Yeah. And Ben says maybe a few rounds with a love bat will improve your opinion of River of Souls. (laughs) This is. Wow. I think our comment section is turning into TKO. It's. It is on fire. I got to fan myself here a little bit. Lord, Lord, cool me down. All right. Good job by you guys. That's really fun. I hope neither one of them is like taking it seriously and, and mad or anything because they're, that's really, that's funny stuff. And I appreciate them both yeah. doing that little bit together to, to entertain us. All right. Allison says in a separate thread here, she says, so as a Lovecraft fan, well, there you go. I always had a soft spot for third space, but I do have a few points. One, any radioactive isotope of carbon cannot date anything back to a million years. It can only date materials 50,000 years and younger. A small point, but it annoys me. It's lazy script writing. Yeah, we, we did touch on that a little bit. I didn't want to go down yeah. that rabbit hole too far. Number two, IPX is so sleazy in this film. I'm like, when are they not? Right. I mean, I love Max Eilerson in Crusade, but he's sleazy as crap. <laughs> There's no doubt yeah. about that. He's the, he's the Morden of Crusade. He's just a good guy. Kind of ish, Morden. 
taking out Lita if she gets in their way. Lita was definitely a front and center character in this film, and that is always good to see. I agree with that. Yep. Number three, poor Zack. Such an awkward scene. I can't see them together, but I feel for him. That took a whole shipload of courage. I agree. I can't see Zack with Lita, but you know who I can't s- who I even more can't see with Lita? Who's that? Remember Byron. Bi- remember Byron? Yeah. Spoiler! Whoop, 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 whoop. I, of course, uh, I couldn't know, see I, Byron with Susan either, and that was how it was supposed to be, so. Well, go. I, I, you know, I may be the only one that sh- that is on board the, the Zack and, and Lita ship. I think that they would be good together. Yeah, it would have been awkward and difficult for them, but I think if they really cared about each other, they'd have found a way. I think, you know, he's a blue-collar guy. She's yeah. just, I mean. But he's straight I up. It, right. I think it would have been fun. He's straight up, honest. I mean, you, oops, sorry. You, you know where you stood with him at all times. He's, there's no artifice right. to Zach. Right. Um, nice to see, and she says, finally, nice to see William Sanderson as Deuce again. Absolutely. All right, two more. Emma Jane, Van and Andy are wrong about Third Space. Alexander says, Third Space is a great film. Van and Andy, oh, no. She referenced one of my sounds, and I got to, and I can't, oh, no. Oh, no. Why me? She says, um, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah. I can't do it. But she says, they're wrong, as the soundboard <laughs> likes to remind us, and I'm changing my name to prove it. Good job, Emma Jane. That's awesome. I, no, I, you know, I said I loved it. And if you'd asked me up until recently, I'd have said it was the, my favorite of the movies, but not anymore. Um, yeah. But there's a lot to like about it. Again, if Sheridan's nuking stuff, I'm there. I'm there for it. Right? And if, if you buy into the whole horror thing that they were, that they were trying to, to do, then it, 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 I can see where it, it could be really cool. Yeah. Sure. I, w- yeah. I was looking at it from a Babylon 5 perspective, but if you look at it from like a cool standalone, you know, horror movie type of thing, it was kind of cool. It was kind of like, um, what was that one movie that that guy referenced earlier? Oh, Event Horizon, yes. Yeah, it was. It, was, it definitely had an Event Horizon feel. I, I can see where if, if you, you know, just kind of get into it from that perspective, that it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, but Emma Jane makes it very clear that you and I, Andy, are wrong. There you go. I got it <laughs> and, booted up. And to be fair, Emma Jane, we usually are wrong about stuff. So, you know. <laughs> well, you know, when they found the third space thing floating in hyperspace, they should have immediately heard. It's a trap. But <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they didn't. They uh, didn't. Yeah, the, the Mon Calamari were not there. You, you know what? You know what Lita's reaction was to Zach's uh, profession of love in the elevator. Well, I can't wait to hear this one. Frosty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right there you go that is both the worst one you've ever played and also probably the most appropriate I, well i have it on there for our current football coach but yes i i, I agree that that's that's true and then when when um when zach got off the elevator he heard yeah <laughs> yeah for We're sure back. All right. Um, let's see. Last one is from Ben Massive Geek Cred Rose, who says the first few times I watched in the beginning, I misunderstood what Londo said to Luco, Luke, the little boy, when he yeah. praises Luca for answering the question better than he did. Right? He said, um, "You answered that question better than I did," which was, "What do you want?" I noted when 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 Londo said, "What do you want?" I was like, "Up, oh, oh up. yeah." That that's the question. Yeah. And he said when he when Luke when he praised Luco for answering the question better than he did, 
I assumed he was talking about a similar encounter he may have had with the emperor as a child. Only recently did it occur to me that Londo was referring to Mr. Morden asking him, what do you want? Ding, ding, right. ding, ding, ding. Bingo, bingo. You are yep. correct. Yep, that you is that are... is the most Babylon 5 question. What do you want? Yes. Um, I'm giving a little like to everybody's comments. I thought they were all wonderful. We thank you guys so much. All right, so go to www.b5review.com if you want to be able to post comments and get in little fun battles with uh, with your fellow uh uh, patrons like that it's so fun we love our patrons so much we love their comments and we're always happy to uh, to to read them and, tr- and and revel in them as we're told how how much we are wrong <laughs> all right <laughs> next up because andy we is don't, we don't hear that enough from our wives we did so <laughs> good to be reminded oh my gosh that's a whole other that's a whole other thing <laughs> yes uh, how many times do you and i probably hear have failed me for the last time. <laughs> that's it. That's it, right? We hear that a lot. So. All right. I don't so much hear that as I see that in the look I get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, <sighs> ah, the soundboard going back to sleep for another for another two weeks um, till the next football show. Andy, next up, we're going to do 501 No Compromises, otherwise known as Dude Dresses Like a Game. <laughs> Dude's got game. There it is. That's it. Indeed. I, All right. I, I'm actually excited about this. I never thought I would say this, but I'm excited to watch Babylon 5 Season 5. <sighs> we look at Season 5 episodes coming up and we say, There they are. Are they not a shame on their country? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't think so. I think they're going to be this fun. Is, this is the first time that I'm going to be watching them since they aired, man. Wow, it's that's been, incredible. Been, yeah, it's been 25 years since I've seen an episode of season five of Babylon 5. Well, and when Andy is, and Andy and I are done with season five, we'll look at each other and our patrons will look at each other and say, My fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> I, have a, I have a sound clip for every occasion tonight, my friend. This is so good. All right. We're going to right. wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up and see you guys in two weeks for No Compromises. All right. Sounds good, man. Andy, take it easy, my friend. I'll talk to you then. All right. You too. Take care. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.